Well, I was with you on Father's Day. Um, well, actually, it would have been the day before Father's Day, uh, back in June. Um, and I also preached at 2HC, but we um, looked at a verse in 1 Corinthians, and this verse is actually on the front of your Pathways bulletin as well. But the verse says this. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Right? A great vision and great wisdom for the Christian life, and certainly there's many sermons and messages and devotions you could pull out of just those two verses Um, But we talked about the first part of it, to be watchful, to live a watchful life. And we said that included that we needed to watch the state of our soul, that we needed to watch out for the temptations and trappings in life, that we wanted to watch the relational health of those closest to us, and we want to watch for and mark the moments of God's activity in and around our lives. And today I want to return back to that passage in 1 Corinthians 16, but through a little different lens. See, Jesus was the master of using simple stories and examples to communicate the deep truths of God and the kingdom and humanity. Many of the authors and playwrights and artists that we love, they also carry this amazing gift, and they can put these deep things into mediums mediums that we can just relate to. We can insert ourselves into their message or to their picture or or into their story. And with that in mind, and, and kind of in the next few minutes for our service Um, I really want you to think about your life as a story. Or maybe you can think of it as a collection of stories, and they're being told every day, every week, and every year in your life. And your story, it shapes your joys, it shapes your stresses, it shapes your families, your values, your desires. It even uh, shapes your understanding of your Christian faith and how it intersects with your life. And my hope and prayer today is that you would gain more understanding for just what story you are living. In our Grow Ministry at Christ Church, we call this gaining more sight for the pathway. And that's our goal. But not just sight for our pathway, how are we currently living, but maybe opening the door to a deeper story, a story of God's life-changing love that lives within us. So that's our trajectory for the next few minutes. Emmanuel Katangale is the professor of theology at Duke Divinity School, And he says that people live their lives from the deepest story within them. Within every person is a collection of narratives, but one of those, one of those narratives um, uh, will be the dominant narrative in their life. You can think of it kind of like a worldview. And from that narrative, that deeper story will drive the attitudes and behaviors in a person's life. And in his book, The Sacrifice of Africa, Katangale breaks down the African social and political landscapes with precision Um, It's pretty amazing. And he addresses the repeated patterns that we're seeing of injustice, poverty, war, exploitation of people and tribes within many of the African nations. And at the heart of his exploration is this problematic question. If Christianity is on the rise, then why is injustice and war and exploitation for the sake of profit and power continuing to increase as well? Think about that. Christianity is rising rapidly. But so is war and injustice and all of those things. It doesn't equate. Um, Something fundamentally has to be amiss for this to happen in such a strong Christian culture, even in what they would say are Christian nations, 95, 99% of people professing the Christian faith. And what Kantangale concludes is this. He says the deeper story in the lives of the majority of African people is not Christianity which is very important to them. They have put their faith in Jesus as their savior. The deeper story 
is the pattern of injustice and violence that has been the norm for centuries in Africa. This is the dominant, this is the dominant story and it, that's being lived, and it's repeated more often than any of the other stories, even the story of Christianity in the lives of the people. Now, this question and problem that Kentangale raised, it, it really bothered me. I read this um, book, as Nate said, for one of my graduate classes at Northern Seminary. Um, I was doing some re- research on kind of church and culture, and also we're trying to plan a, a go team, a mission trip to Rwanda in the next year. So this book was kind of some of my um, own preparation, but I was kind of found some anger being kicked up inside of me when I read this book, because I'm jealous for the church, and I thought, golly, how can the church be so impotent to the social and political realities in Africa? And I started my systematic accusations, which are one of my spiritual gifts, right? I'm great at my systematic accusations. Um, but I was kind of going down the line against the church and against the Christians over there. And all of a sudden, I found that same question and problem that Kentangale raised landing in my own lap, in my own land, in my own context, maybe even in my own church and in my own life. It's no secret that one of the critiques of the American church, and we might say the Chicago suburbs as well, is that the church, meaning Christians, blend into the culture around us pretty well. And I think that's true. Statistically, it says it's true. And while we may believe and profess one thing, we often live out of our culture story of individualism, capitalism, materialism, consumerism, and much more. And the question that I want to put before you is this. What story are you living and repeating most often in your life? And is it the story of God, or is it the dominant story of the culture around us? One of the most popular sermons and small group studies we've had at Christ Church in recent years was the Living Insanity series. How many of you remember that series over here for the Living Insanity series? Yeah. Um, I have a hunch why that was so popular is because it tapped into and challenged and exposed some of these deeper stories that really have taken root in our lives. And we kind of admitted and confessed and repented that, wow, some of these realities really are true and we need to break those patterns and cycles. For instance, Trophy Kids was one of the messages when we only want the best for our kids. And, uh, and I think that's a big deal for us. I, I know I made an instant change in my own family. Sadie and Clay, they're, Sadie's 10, Clay's 9, both great athletes in multiple sports. And, you know, my wife and I have a little bit of athletic background. And I just remember saying, I need to be careful. So I talked to my kids. I said, guys, Daddy loves you. And I will support you no matter which sport you want to be a professional athlete in. So see, I really listen to Dan's words and take them to heart. Another sermon was options unlimited, when we don't want to be restricted or limited because we're entitled, for crying out loud. Um, image management, when everything and everyone is A-OK. We're celebrating busyness as a virtue and even a picture of success. And I remember um, Dan saying, just think about the conversations you have. And I tell you, I'm guilty of this almost every single week, and I'm asking you to hold me accountable to this kind of lovingly and gently because I'm a fragile person. But the conversation goes like this. Hey, how you doing? Oh, you know, I'm good, but man, I'm so busy. Right? How many of you say that? Right? How you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Things are okay. You know, I just think like, why is that? Why do we feel good when we say that? Like it's kind of, it's not so good. I know, and there were many more messages in this series, but I think this series showed us that the pace of life and the aggressive pursuits 
are dominating our lives and our families, our finances, our work, our relationships, and much, much more than maybe we realize or admit. And when I think about it, I begin feeling a little anxious, right? Because these are real things in my life as well. And I feel the pull to wanting to live a better story than that, but I also feel what a uh, great battle that it's going to be to break some of those cycles and patterns in my life or in my family's life. And uh, I just realize it's going to take all the courage and strength that I have, and probably more, to live a new story, a deeper story. So let me ask you, if I were to tell you that I DVR'd your life this last year, all access, you know, 24 hours a day, um, I recorded your life, and I'm going to rewind it, and I'm going I'm to play it to see what story your life is communicating, what do you think would be there? Now, I'm not asking you kind of for you to tell me what I think I would see. I'm not asking you to say, to tell me kind of what you hope you lived out, but kind of the actual, the real you story that you lived out over this last year. Now, that would be a pretty cool reality TV show. It would be on the Me Network. Isn't that like a cable channel, the Me I think it is. Kate, help me out here. Me TV. Is it Me TV? There you go. It would be on Me TV. And I wonder, like, if you, would you want your friends to watch that? Or maybe your senior pastor, Dan Meyer, would you want him to watch kind of the all access uh, uh, of your life? Um, I think it would be fascinating, and I think I would be a little scared or even alarmed of what I saw sometimes as the domin- merging as the dominant story, the deeper story in my life. But here's what I believe. I believe that we're pulled toward the deepest, truest story in reality that we know, and it's Christ in us, that we're pulled toward living as Christ, as Lord of our life. And the problem is not that we don't believe in God and his scriptures. Um, I think we do. Um, but see, the problem is it's not that we don't believe it. The problem is that is the deepest reality of our lives God and the scriptures and a story, or is something else taking a little deeper root like it is in many of those nations in Africa? And what we're raising really is the question of desire and discipleship. Um, Adele Calhoun um, was on staff with us for many years, was kind of our director of transformation, and she says this. She says, transformation, learning to live as Christ is Lord, um, <clears throat> always begins in the place of desire. There needs to be some deep, deeper inner willingness to take a risk on Jesus again and again. You have to actually want it to live with Christ as your Lord. Or as John Ortberg would put it, speaking of discipleship, he would say, are you a follower of Jesus or simply an admirer or user of Jesus to make you feel good or to get you into heaven when you die? What we desire and what we commit ourselves to um, will be the story that we live most often. And one of the characters in the Bible that reveals the reality of a person who had the courage and the strength to live the better story, the deeper story of God, was Joshua. Now this book, the book of Joshua, you know, is kind of Israel moving into the promised land after, you know, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, you know, under Moses' leadership. But this book is about so much more. It's about a man who chooses to live with God at the center of his life. And I think for us, it gives us hope that we can do this as well. But even the whole landscape of this book is almost a story of our lives as well. And I would encourage you, maybe even this week, it's only 24 chapters, read the story of Joshua and the people. Um, But this morning, I want to, or this morning, right, autopilot, this evening, 
we're going to look at just the first and last chapters because I want to pull out what are some of the keys to living the story of the deeper story of God at the center of your life. Listen to these opening words in the first chapter. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, uh, lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Um, um, I promise you, as I've promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land that I'm giving you from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon Sea in the, in the, or the mountains to the north, to the Euphrates River in the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one to lead these people to possess the land uh, I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be very strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now there's many things that we could pull out of these verses, but I want to highlight just a few. And the first is this. Life brings constant change. You can expect it. Think about Joshua's life for a second and the changes and the challenges he encountered. He wandered in the desert. He was an assistant to Moses. He was the leader of the people, a battle commander, a manager, a real estate agent, a judge, organizer, spiritual leader, and so much more. See, God created a world of constant change. We've got seasons that come regularly. Um, Think about your own bodies from a baby to when you get older and die. I mean, even your body kind of regenerates itself every six months. Literally, you're a new person twice a year. Your cells kind of create a new you, which is why I'm not sure why I'm so tired and sore all the time if I'm so new. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 talks about there's a season for everything. There's all of these changes that come and go, and you can count on it without fail. And see, when we expect and embrace change that comes in life, uh, we begin to focus a little differently on how we live. And actually, the focus is on how we live, not on what we're trying to attain or trying to keep the same. Um, When we focus on how we live, we begin to live a life focused on transformation, which doesn't just impact you, but it impacts those around you as well. Life, like a good story, is about the transformation of characters. And God has given us uh, change as a gift to shape our life story And it'll take courage and strength, just as God told Joshua. The second idea is this. God and his scriptures are the source of our courage and strength. God promises, God's promises will never fail. God reassured Joshua over and over again, even in that opening chapter, that he was with him every step of the way. And uh, you can just go to the Psalms um, and read just how much the Lord is our strength. You can go... Um, and search the scriptures and just see how often God calls us to remember him and remember the things that he's done. The Old Testament is filled with it. We talked about it, uh, living the watchful life, how important it is to mark the moments. Because when we mark those moments and we realize that God is with us, 
and he's in control, and he's out ahead of us, it gives us great strength and courage because it doesn't all depend on me. Um, Third, um, in taking this idea of courage and strength a little further, God commands us to be strong and courageous. Um, We just finished a year-long sermon series titled The Commands of Jesus. Now, we didn't title it The Suggestions of Jesus. Um, That would be a little easier, actually. But if we're to live our lives with Christ as Lord, it will will require the tougher, tougher road of obedience. But again, living the deeper story with Christ as Lord is so worth it. Donald Miller says in his book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, he says, here's the truth about telling stories with your life. It's going to sound like a good idea and you're going to get really excited about it, but then when it comes time to do the hard work it requires, you won't want to do it. I'm reminded of G.K. Chesterton's quote when he says, it's not so much that the, uh, that the Christianity has been tried and found wanting as it's been found difficult and left untried. See, the Christian life is not easy and it does demand much, but it's so worth it if we will engage it and stay strong and courageous each step of the way. And the last point comes from um, the end of Joshua's life. And this is what he says. He says, you must choose the story that you're going to live. You see, we're not passive to how we live life and what characterizes our story. God's amazing love, and I think part of his amazing grace, is that he gives us skin in the game. We're not robots. God says, you need, there's some choices that you're going to need to make, and I'm giving you the ability to choose the trajectory of your life. I'm not going to force myself on you, but if you choose me, you'll find an amazing adventure as you go. And Joshua um, um, finished his life with clarity, and the story of God in his life continued to challenge God's people. Look at Joshua chapter 24, and this is right at the end of the book. And he had just reminded the people of Israel all the things that God has done, bringing them out of the wilderness and conquering and moving into the promised land. He reminds them of all of that. And then he says this, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer to gods your ancestors served beyond Euphrates? Or will, you, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I love that. Um, Joshua is asking the people, what story will you live? Would they live for God or would they live for what is more natural or attractive from their ancestors or the immediate culture around them? You know, it's the same question for us today. And it's a question that we need to answer. I love Joshua's confidence and his clear commitment to live for the Lord. And that's where it kind of always starts, doesn't it? With you and really your family. That's our beginning point. To choose who are we going to serve? What's going to be the deeper story in my life? Let me close with sharing this story. Many of you are familiar with John Perkins and the Christian Community Development Association that he founded. Do you know how that began? Do you know John's story? In 1947, John's brother, uh, an African-American, was fatally shot by a white police officer. John was so distraught and angry that he left his home in Mississippi and vowed never to return to the state again. Then in 1960, John became a Christian, and he decided to live a deeper story. He moved his whole family, wife and five kids, from Southern California, literally as far as he could get away, 
from the pain and went back to Mendenhall, Mississippi, where he poured himself into healing and rebuilding the community he so angrily left. He established a community development ministry that included an interracial congregation, a daycare center, youth programs, housing, health care, and adult education programs. John had a vision for the church, and he had a vision of life that was an incarnational presence in the broken neighborhoods of Mississippi. This one man in one church in one city sparked a national movement that continues to expand across America today in some of the toughest places in our inner cities. The CCDA and its partners, and especially a key partner of Lawndale Ministry in Chicago, are close friends and partners with Christ Church of Oak Brook. Um, Listen to how those committed uh, to this ministry describe what they're all about. They say, many of us have a deep sense that the world is not as it should be. Broken relationships, divided communities, poverty, violence in our neighborhoods. The good news is that God longs to work through us to help restore things in a way that they were never intended to be. Those of us who orient our lives around this practice will often commit to living in an under-resourced neighborhood for a minimum of 10 years. This is obviously no easy task, but we believe that true and lasting change takes time and it requires real relationships. We think this approach is pretty unique, and I would echo that. I think it's unique indeed. I shared this story with you because I'm friends with many of the pastors and seminary students that are part of the CCDA. And they're choosing to live a new story, a deeper story. And they show me that, that life really does matter and how we live life matters. And it takes courage and strength to follow God's leading in your lives. Now, I know most of you are not going to move your families to an under-resourced area in Chicago. But what if we had the courage to look to God and to allow him to speak into the story of our lives so compelling that other people, that the culture around us would actually want what we have instead of us kind of settling in and adopting the ways of the culture around us. Remember, all John Perkins did was start with his family first, as did Joshua, and they took one step at a time from there. I told you my hope and prayer is that we would begin One, to consider the story that's kind of driving our life. And second, that we would plant some seeds that maybe we would begin opening ourselves up to really what is this deeper story of Christ living in you and through you, living with Christ as Lord of your life. And I hope these seeds have been planted. But as with any seed, it's going to need watered and it's going to need nurtured. And you owe it to yourself and those around you to spend some time really thinking Kind of like that DVR, that replay of what is my life actually communicating? What is the story that people most often see in me? And then ask yourself, is it the story of God? Or is there an opportunity for me to make a choice, to choose who I'm going to serve and set a new, um, to begin a new and deeper story? You see, when God becomes the deepest story in your life, life goes from being muddled and hurried and unsatisfied to the greatest gift and adventure you could ever imagine and hope and it doesn't even matter on your circumstances. Joshua had courage to write a new story that was driven by God. People in Africa are beginning to live a new story. Uh, Friends in Chicago with the CCDA are writing life-changing chapters. And perhaps some of us, or maybe all of us, will do the same. It's always easier to live like everybody else 
but it takes real courage and strength to live God's story throughout the days of your life. The question we're left with is this. Will God's story, living with Christ as Lord, be the story written throughout my days? May it be so with you and with me. Let's pray. God, we just admit that so often we do get trapped into the pattern or cycles of the culture around us. But we know you're faithful. We can feel your faithfulness. We, you pull us to live a deeper story with you at the center of our life. And for myself and for those that are listening and here now, Father, I just pray that you would move on our hearts. Um, may those seeds take deep roots so that your story, the reality of the gospel, the kingdom of God, Christ as Lord, would be the dominant story in our life and that it would impact our families and maybe even our small groups and maybe even a church and who knows where it could go from there. But it does start with choosing who will serve, but we can choose with confidence and stand firm in our faith because you are with us. In Christ's name, amen.